Now, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, as I mentioned last week, faith is the victory. That's what we're looking at this morning. Faith itself is the victory for us. So we're going to look at why that is, how that is. And the scripture we're looking at is 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, which tell us this. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. He, who is he who overcomes the world? but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much to once again be in your house. We thank you for your sacrifice. Father, the shedding of blood, the pain of the penalty that, that we were unable to accomplish on our own. Father, the ability to come to you through Jesus Christ and, and his death and resurrection is absolutely priceless. And thank you for this gift of faith that you have given us and the victory that Jesus has already won. Lord, just speak to us this morning, move everything else out of the way that your word can be preeminent. And the Father, you'll just draw us close to you and stir our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look at this one more time, these two little verses. Or actually verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In verse 4 it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And, and who is he, verse 5 asks, who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, uh, this is the born-again believer. This is the person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So whatever is born of God is the person who has trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the victory that comes with that, the victory that Jesus has run, has won, we receive that victory because of our faith. Our faith is the victory according to verse 4. That is saving faith. That is faith that not only acknowledges who Jesus is, that not only believes who Jesus is, but faith that trusts Jesus that knows the truth of Jesus Christ, that trusts Jesus as Lord and Savior, who accepts that sacrifice that Christ has made. That is this true saving faith, which is the victory. Now, true faith is our victory because true biblical faith is real. Because true biblical faith is based 
on the Word of God, and it is rooted in Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is truth. It is reality. We're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at the Bible's definition of faith. Because here's the thing. The world doesn't look at faith or define faith the same way the Bible does. It doesn't use the same definition that God has given us. The world would tell us that our faith in Jesus Christ is nothing but a fairy tale, a pie-in-the-sky a pie hope. But this pie-in-the-sky hope or a fairy tale is no victory at all. Because if you place your faith in fairy tales, you have no solid real basis for your faith. If you just have this pie-in-the-sky hope, there is no solid truthful basis for your faith, and it is no victory at all. So what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 defines it for us. You can define faith in a lot of ways, but you'll find absolutely no better or, or more truthful definition than what God has given us in His Word, and it very authoritatively defines what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So we're going to look at some key words in that verse. But faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of of things not seen. Those are your two key words that you want to focus on, substance and evidence, because these comprise the reality of what faith is, substance and evidence. So that, that tells us that faith is going to be a, a, a state of certainty with, in regard to your belief, that what you, what you believe is actually if, if it's true biblical faith rooted in Jesus Christ, then it is a certainty. It's not some hope. It's not some wishful thinking. It's not some fairy tale. It is truth. Why? Because it's based on substance and evidence. Again, faith is the substance of, substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, what is substance? If something has substance like this pulpit has substance, it is real. I can touch it. I can feel it. It's tangible. It is real and it is tangible. So that's what substance is. Evidence is simply proof. Just plain and simple. Evidence is proof. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This teaches us that faith provides both the reality and the proof which, uh, of things that we can't see directly. And what's really... You know, faith is being sure and certain about these unseen hopes and realities. We may not have seen Jesus Christ in the flesh. We may not have seen Him with our eyes. But our, our faith, which is based on reality, tells us that Jesus is absolutely real. He's absolutely true. In fact, 
God has provided a lot of very substantial proof of the truth of His Word. All throughout Scripture, claims were made about different things, and proof exists in the world around us. God, God has given us very substantial proof that validate and provide evidence for the reality of His Word that He has given us. God tells us in His Word there was a worldwide flood. And when we look at the world around us, we see evidence of that flood everywhere. We see the rock layers, all the different strata, uh, uh, you know, which were laid down after the flood. It's all the sediment and everything that was, that was washed up during the flood as the fountains of the great deep broke open, began to settle out and trap within them all the, uh, all the dead animals and sea life that were destroyed and people that were destroyed during this event get very rapidly under a lot of pressure, trapped in this settlement, and they begin to fossilize. And we find this evidence all over the world that is proof that God's Word is real. In Isaiah, we're told that God sits upon the circle of the earth. We're told thousands of years ago in God's Word that the earth is round. God sits on the circle of the earth. So we're told that the earth is round long before man himself ever figured it out. Evidence and proof of His Word. We're told that He you know, stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Now we know in modern times that yes, the universe is expanding because we can, with modern telescopes, we can see uh, uh, the redshift in, in stars, which simply all that is, is as light is moving toward us and the source of the light is moving away from us at the same time, light shifts to the red end of the spectrum. Now we can see that in modern telescopes. It tells us that the universe is expanding, but we're told in Scripture thousands of years ago that the universe was expanding, that God spreads out the heavens like a curtain, and it's still expanding today. And the list goes on and on and on. Just earthly evidence of things that God revealed in Scripture long before man ever figured them out on his own. That the writers of Scripture had absolute, could have had absolutely no knowledge of. We're told in Job about springs in the seas. We didn't discover freshwater springs in the ocean until the 1960s or 70s. But the oldest book in the Bible tells us about the springs in the seas in the book of Job. When God is speaking to Job, Job wouldn't have known this. It hadn't been discovered yet. But all throughout the Bible, there, are, there is evidence of the truth of God's Word that tell us ultimately it can be nothing else but a Word from God Himself. 
This is faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And God has given us all of this substantial proof that's all around us. And the list is very, very lengthy. Now, I can't even begin to scratch the surface of it this morning. That's not really necessarily the purpose of this message, but just a few examples that I threw in there for you. And the truth is, the validity of our faith, the Christian faith, doesn't rest on our sincerity. It doesn't rest on our fervency. It's whether or not God's Word is true has nothing to do with how sincere somebody is about it or how fervent they are about it. The Christian faith stands or falls on the truth that the Word of God reveals. And we're told in Proverbs that every word of God is pure. It is a shield to them. They put their trust in it. Every word of God is pure. He claims His Word is true. And the evidence around us proves it to be true. True biblical faith is not some blind optimism or some manufactured hope-so feeling. It is not a blind faith. God doesn't call us to a blind faith. He gives us evidence all over the place. So that we know our faith is real and it stands in direct opposition to what the world tries to tell us that faith is. They say faith is a fairy tale. We know, because God has provided ample evidence, that faith is real. And it's not based on our feelings. It's not based on the fact that, oh, I can just tell it's real. I can just feel that it's real. No, I mean, we can, but but God has actually given us evidence you know it's been said that uh, the Christian faith is a fairy tale for those who are afraid of the dark but I think in reality for example Atheism is a fairy tale for those who are afraid of the light. And that light is Jesus Christ. And true faith is more than just... Yeah, I've given you a handful of examples about evidence that exists for the reality of the Word of God. But Christian faith is more than just an intellectual acknowledgement of a doctrine. It's more than that. It's certainly not believing in spite of the evidence. That would be superstition if you believe something in spite of the evidence. Evidence tells you one thing, you believe something different. Well, that's just mere superstition. But that's not what the Christian faith is. It's more than just conviction of the reality of the facts that, that God has unveiled. Faith also exists as a response to those facts. So faith is more than an acknowledgement of what we know to be true. It's more than an acknowledgement that the evidence supports the Word of God. Faith is also 
dependent upon how we respond to that evidence, to that truth, if you would. Because true faith is going to provoke a response from us. If you truly believe something, then you're going to act on what you believe. If you say you believe it, but you don't act on it, do you really believe it to be true? But true faith is going to provoke a response. So, uh, so part of it is how do we respond to the truth that God provides us? Because the scripture makes it clear in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith it is impossible to please him. Because without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's those who respond to the faith. They don't just acknowledge it, but they respond to it. Because he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews 11, verse 6. I believe it's verse 6. But, so we see that part of true biblical faith is something that we've already talked about, and that would be a, very, a, a confident obedience to God's Word. Confident in that you know you're doing the right thing, uh, uh, know you're doing what you should be doing as you are obedient to God's Word, in spite of the circumstances that you find yourselves in, in spite of the consequences that, that obedience might bring, that is part of faith. When you're obedient in spite of those circumstances or, or consequences. Or because of faith, you could also say that you're obedient because of the consequences and those consequences being pleasing God. Or well, also in spite of the consequences, because it might get you ridiculed at best, persecuted at worst, but you do it anyway. So this faith operates actually quite simply. God speaks, we hear His Word, and act on it. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the consequences may be, he speaks, we hear, we act, without regard to anything else. So the circumstances we find ourselves in, and, and, and think about this, we see examples of this all through history, of this, the, these giants of faith, if you would. Uh, you know, because the circumstances might be impossible. The co consequences may be very, very frightening. Consequences may be unknown. But we obey God's word just the same because we believe Him to do what is right and what is best. And we know that's exactly what He will do. Because His faith is a surety.
It is an absolute truth that we can count on. When we're willing to accept this fact that God's, what, what God's Word says, when we are willing to accept it at face value, accept the fact and the truth of what God's Word says, and in response, we reach out to seek and experience a relationship with Him. then we will have begun to live by faith. And ultimately, we'll be rewarded for it. So what we see is this faith is very, very important because it's, it is the foundation of everything else. Without faith in Christ, nothing else matters at all. Everything else is completely moot. So this faith is now the foundation of everything. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. And by faith is how the saved are going to live. They're going to live by faith. We're told in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. The just shall live... Oh, I quoted that just a little bit wrong, but it makes a huge difference. Okay? The last line, the just shall live by his faith. That's because this faith that we've been talking about is God's. It is Jesus' faith. God's faith is a gift from God to us. Faith doesn't just happen. God gives it. It is His faith, as we're told in Habakkuk. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 tell us this. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The gift of faith brings with it salvation. And many other things as well. As a matter of fact, the faith of Barnabas helped others come to Christ. And that's what our faith will do when we begin to act on it. When we begin to live by faith, it will help others come to Christ. Like I said, the faith of Barnabas helped others come to Christ. Acts chapter 11 verse 24 tells us this. Speaking of Barnabas, here's what it says. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Or the Holy Spirit of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Why? Because he was full of Holy Spirit and of faith. He acted on his faith. Through the Holy Spirit, he was listening to the voice of God and following his will, acting on that faith that God had so graciously granted him. And because of that, a great many people were added to the Lord. Faith is essential for protection. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. 
Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So it provides a defense for us. You're beginning to see how faith is the victory. It brings our salvation. It is rooted in Jesus Christ. It provides defense for us and it helps others come to Christ. That sounds like victory to me. Faith is the victory that has overcome the world. How many times have we sung the line, faith is the victory? Our faith is real. It is substantial. It is provable. And most of all, it is based on the reality of Jesus Christ himself. And he has overcome the world. Therefore, because of faith, we are in him. And he has already overcome the world. So faith is the victory. John 16, Here's what Jesus says. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There you have it. So when we're in Christ, we are in Him who has overcome the world. So our ability to partake in His victory is due to faith. Quick note about victory. First, what it doesn't mean. Victory does not mean that we'll prosper financially or that we can speak ourselves into prosperity. That's not what victory means. Victory does not mean that we won't get sick or that we can speak our illness away. That is not what victory means. It does not mean that we will not have difficult times. Quite the opposite. It does not mean that we won't get persecuted. It does not mean that bad things will not happen to us. It does not mean that we won't lose some battles. Because we will. Victory does mean that we'll win the war. Might lose some battles along the way. The United States has won many wars, but they've lost many battles in the process. Victory means we will win the war, ultimately. It means that, ultimately, sin will be defeated. It means that throughout all the toils and the hardships of this war that we fight, we have the protection, the provision, and the comfort, and the guidance of the Almighty God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ. That's what victory means. And in closing, in our victory, ultimately, we will gain eternal life in the presence of Jesus God, uh, Jesus Christ Himself. That is true victory. And faith is absolutely 
the foundation of it. So faith is the victory. And never forget that the Christian faith is comprised of substantial, of substance and evidence, substantial evidence uh, that Christian faith is truth. It is real. We can count on it. We can stake our lives on it. It is a gift from God. And it is the victory. Because having that faith means automatically already we are victorious. This is the faith. Let's pray as we close out and go into the invitation.